This is Jerry White. I'd like to introduce you to Sage Intact, a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Sage Intact helps their restaurant customers reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes so they can focus on servicing customers and growing their businesses. To learn more about how Sage Intact restaurant customers make smarter decisions with critical visibility in business performance, I invite you to get more details at sageintact.com forward slash hospitality. That's S-A-G-E-I-N-T-A-C-C-T dot com forward slash hospitality. Welcome to Fast Casual Insider. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, Senior Director of Content for the National Restaurant Association. This week, I'm stepping in for Fast Casual Insider host, Jerry White, to share a conversation recorded at the 2019 National Restaurant Association show at McCormick Place in Chicago. I was lucky to sit down with Larry Reinstein, founder of the LJR Hospitality Group. We talked about his advice for raising capital and his observations as a respected restaurant consultant. We'll start with Larry's extensive background in the restaurant industry and move on to lots of valuable advice for raising capital and other practical, actionable tips for running a restaurant. Let's get started. Larry, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I grew up in the restaurant business. What would be a better place than to be in the restaurant business? When I was uh, 12 years old, I was working for my dad behind the counter, learning the fast food hamburger business. And I knew by age 13, I was going to go into the restaurant business. So I immediately decided I was going to go to Cornell. And uh, that was my mission. I worked every job in restaurants from dishwasher to pot washer to maitre d' to server to bartender all the way through. Um, I have a long, long time in the business. Uh, went to work for Marriott out of school, got involved in the family business, and ultimately created multiple brands with my brother, who was my partner. And we did fast casuals, we did full service, we did quick serves, we did catering, we did commissaries, we did franchising, we did licensing. I learned a lot. I learned a lot along the way. And ultimately, after we sold our company, I went to work for professional money and, and worked for those folks operating restaurants again. And then ultimately went out on my own. How long have you been on your own? Uh, about four and a half years now, and it's been incredibly exciting because I get to help emerging companies grow. I get to help people with their challenges and help them solve and have their visions come true, which is so much fun. And how do you help them? What do you do for them? Everybody has something they want to work toward. The first thing I do is help them understand really where they're going and what's their strategy and how do we get there. So most people I meet with think that the issues there are very different than what the issues really are. The most difficult thing about being a restaurant operator, it's extremely emotional. You're, it, it, you're an artist, and even as a professional person, you are tied into your products, you're tied, and tied into your service. I was that person for a long, long time. So I can come in objectively and tell people the truth. And when you tell people the truth, they can then start to make moves to really get to where they want to go. And I have no ego in this. My deal is to make them look good and make them prosper. What are some of the most common uncomfortable truths that you, you find when you're consulting? It, it's everything from uh, my product is the best that you could get anywhere else. My system and service is the best. 
um, my people are the best, and it, there's a lack of objectivity about what's really slowing them down. And by getting people to understand, and the way I get them to understand is I meet people. Folks give me a vision. The CEO founder says, this is what I want our company to be, and this is what it is. But I meet with the guests, I meet with the employees, I meet with the managers, I meet with the corporate staff, and I find out what's really going on out there. The other great thing about it is they'll tell me the truth, because I'm not going to go back to the founder and say, hey, so-and-so said this. I collect information, and as I collect information, if everybody tells me the same message, I will go to the CEO and I will say, this is really what's happening. This comes from multiple sources, not from one, and they'll never get a direct source from me in terms of who it is, because I need confidentiality and I need trust. So once you can get the truth to people, most people really want to go where they want to go. They just need to understand the truth. And then we can come up with a strategic plan and then a tactical plan. And ultimately, it's about, again, creating success. And it's really a lot of fun when you can do that. That's fantastic. Um, when funding comes into play, when you're consulting about funding, I know we talked earlier and you had mentioned some of the first state of funding and the second state and how that grows. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Funding always comes into play. It's only a question of when. And it comes into play as to when I get involved with concepts. Most of my concepts that I work with are five to 50 units. But I, I've worked with startups. I've worked with large chains. Um, so funding depends upon the stage they're at. It depends upon the amount of equity that they've put in, the founder has put into the business. But typically on smaller companies, and I'll say the one to 10 unit companies, most of the time, it becomes bootstraps, then friends and family. And once we get beyond friends and family, it's trying to get a little bit more conventional. Many people enter this business thinking a bank is going to support them. And as I like to tell them, if you're looking to borrow a million dollars, just provide a letter of credit or something that says a million dollars, and the bank will be happy to give you a million dollars. But barring <laughs> that, it's just not going to happen. They need something where they have the collateral. So the most important part is to find friends and family that believe in you because they're not doing it because of the economics of your deal, even though you have to provide economics, they're doing it because they believe in you and they want to help you. That's your best source of original capital. And it's typically what's going to get people by to the next stage. Once you get beyond that stage, hopefully you're going to be able to provide, get some money from banks. SBA is a really good source but it's long and bureaucratic to go through that particular source, but it can be really helpful to smaller businesses. But once you get beyond a bank source and friends and family, it's time really to get a, a new source of capital. And that's where it gets complicated. The good news is private equity and family offices are getting involved in restaurants much earlier. That game has become much more of a venture game. It used to be where you'd have to have 25, 30, 50 restaurants before any kind of private equity company would go near you. Now, if you have a great concept that really has legs, you might find a three, four, five units, a different source of capital will come in and help you out. What do you think's driving that change? What's driving that change is there's so much money out there in the marketplace and people quite honestly don't know what to do with it, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Because when investment goes in the wrong way and the economy takes a little bit of a turn, there'll be quite a bit of chaos. But if you have a good program, if you know what you're doing, I know people all over the place that would be happy to get involved in it, but it has to be a scalable concept. The numbers have to make sense. 
But even more important, what's the appeal to the guest? Do you have lines coming into your restaurant, people talking about it? What are the online scores you're getting? Is there a real buzz to your concept? Can we walk in there and say, wow, this is great. Too many concepts get caught up around money. The answer is if you set up a concept to really please guests and you do a wonderful job doing that, you are going to make money because you can get the controls in place. If you start by setting up to make money, it's going to be really difficult to really appeal. So you got to get a model in place that's going to attract other people. And then there are all kinds of approaches. One of the approaches that frequently happens is folks want a franchise. They have three units up and why do they want a franchise? Only one reason, they don't have any money. It's the worst reason to franchise because in the short run, there are a ton of additional costs. There's a ton of additional overhead you have to add. And even more important, being a franchisor, you have two sets of customers. There's the consumer and your franchisee. And if you wanna be successful, you need to make sure your franchisees make lots of money and are very happy. Most restaurateurs at a small stage only know about the consumer who is the guest eating in their restaurants. They don't understand the psychology of dealing with the right kinds of franchisees. Not only that, frequently those franchisees, those franchisors have a vision they're going to find these 10-unit people to come in and become multi-unit franchisees for them, but they don't have a proven formula yet. So they end up choosing people who aren't quite capable to start with, which makes it even more difficult. So Franchising can be great. I'm a big proponent of franchising, but you have to be careful at what stage you start it and what level of experience you have as an operator to be able to handle it. And also the simplicity or complexity of your particular concept. What are some of those qualities of a good franchisee that you'd look for? A lot of it depends, first of all, on what stage our company is at. Is our company 20 units that are successful? Is it 50 units or are they three units? So uh, what, how simple is, is the op operation itself or how complex? Um, if somebody has no restaurant experience and it's a reasonably complicated concept, it's probably going to be difficult. If it's a pretty simple concept and somebody is hardworking, driven, are we after multi-unit franchisees? Are we after a single-unit franchisee? We have certain concepts out there that have had tremendous success. Look at Chick-fil-A. You know, people are attached to one unit and they can make a lot of money and be very happy and successful. So it depends a lot upon what exactly we're looking for. And I think clarity in terms of concept, clarity in terms of vision is key to success for people because you have to understand who you are and what you're looking for, and then you really find it. This is Jerry White. If you're a restaurant looking to reduce time, cost, and resources on tedious financial processes while gaining better insight into business performance, I invite you to learn more about Sage Intact a leading provider of restaurant accounting and financial solutions. Find out how Sage and Tech can give you the visibility to help you grow your business at sageintech.com forward slash hospitality. That's S-A-G-E-I-N-T-A-C-C-T dot com forward slash hospitality. So Larry, is there a sweet spot for bringing in equity? When is it the right time? For everybody? It's a great question. When is the right time for everybody depends a lot on what the vision is of the person in charge, of the founder. If the founder wants to go and they have eight units right now and their goal is to be 50 units or 100 units, they know they can't do it on their own. They're going to need capital. Now the question is, what kind of role do they want to play in the future? What are their expectations? 
I say to people, if I handed you $5 million, $10 million today, what would you do with it? How would it change? What would you do for the organization? How would it grow? And where is it going to end up? So capital is really important for the people that are going to come in, but it's also even more important for the founder to understand. The first thing on most founders' mind is, I want to be in control. Now, why would somebody give a lot of capital to have the founder stay in control? I find I get involved a lot of times with both sides because I've worked with people that put in the money and I've been a founder and I've worked with people that get the money. And sometimes there's a real disconnect between both sides because founders just want to grow their babies and uh, capital just wants to make money on, on what they're putting in. So the good news is there are many different sizes and forms of capital. And at the end of the day, where a lot of problems occur is an operator wants to get the highest capital level they can get, the greatest valuation. But frequently they get the wrong money because they don't have the right partner to work with them that understands their vision to go together. So smart people figure out what do they want to accomplish. They make sure they are very clear with the financial partner. And frequently they'll take the second or third best offer that comes in because that's the offer that's going to close and that's the offer that's going to take them forward to get where they want to go. It's a long subject. We could talk a long time about it, Helen. <laughs> are there any like um, just basic criteria then that founders should consider before looking for that capital? You know, if you can, as a founder, the clearer you establish your vision from day one, and that relates to how do I set up my corporate entities? You know, if you're going to ultimately get money, who's my accountant? Who's my attorney? Attorney, do I have an M&A attorney who's going to be able to help me get through this process? You know, who's going to help me find the money? You know, whether it's an investment banker, you know, which is a little bit further along, or whether it's just another source, an advisor that's going to help me out. The clearer you set your objectives at the beginning, you set up your corporate entities right, everything just goes, you know, your accounting, how you, how you put together LLCs, C-Corps, S-Corps, all, all these kinds of things it saves you so much time and effort because you have a vision of where you want to go. Many times people don't get money because people don't want to go through the mental work of taking 15 different companies, putting it together, buying out 35 different investors. It's just, it's sloppy. And a lot of people don't have the patience to do that. So if you're able to put together good programs, do you put together a program where all your angel investors, there's a buyout, a buyout amount that's agreed to in advance, even if it's a multiple. So you have the freedom to do what you have to do. Otherwise, you have to go through a long process to just get everything cleaned up in order to be able to go out and even raise money. And that kind of stuff scares investors off because they don't want to go through the process because they're afraid they're going to do all this diligence. A few people are going to hold out and the deal's not going to close. They want to close deals. That's why they go through the process, the, the investor community. So it all begins at the beginning. It's sometimes putting a little bit more thought and strategy in as opposed to just, I'm going to create a wonderful concept that the guests love. It is about the guests, but it's also about your vision with what you want to do with it. And if you don't have that vision that you're going to get to two, three, four, five at first, as soon as you get there, that's the time to spend a little bit of time and money on some professionals to help you put everything in place. That's really great advice. So, Larry, for what you're consulting for, where's your sweet spot? Is it more operations, like how much salt's on the fries? Is it more the back end, the finances? Where, where do you come in? I believe my sweet spot is, is strategy. It's really to come in and really figure out what's going on 
when I come in, I'm able to do two things. I'm able to create clarity with the founder. I won't come in and do anything for anybody without full disclosure of financials. I want to be the person's personal advisor who they can tell anything to because everything I do, as a lot of my friends know, is totally confidential. So we get to the heart of what the real issues are there. But as going through a process, I come in with tons of questions. I don't start with answers. I need to learn about what's going on. As I go through the strategy and I spend my time in the operations and with the people, I find things that are low-hanging fruit that can provide very fast return for my clients. We can quickly find operational things. It may be as simple as I take one step out of a process going through the kitchen, which speeds the lineup. So that can make a big difference. It can be something going on from a technology standpoint, real fast that we have to change. It can be marketing and positioning that's not clear. Our real estate and our marketing and our operations may not match at all. It's looking at the scale model. We maybe have a 2,400 square foot restaurant that should be 2,000 square feet, and it can be. We may be sitting in the wrong kinds of sites. So a lot of it is just really reviewing and analyzing. It's being a CEO slash strategic COO who can come in and really clarify what's happening and, and really give them a roadmap to be successful. And about how long do most of your engagements take? Like, is this years? So I do engagements a couple of different ways. Let's say it's a seven-unit regional chain in one marketplace. I might come in and spend a week to 10 days and just say, here's an assessment. What you're going to pay me for the assessment, you're going to make way more back just if you make two or three of these operational changes. And sometimes these assessments lead to the fact that they can't execute all the things we're talking about because they don't have the infrastructure in place. So I might come back on a monthly basis on retainer. And it can be six months. It can be a year. It can be two years. It really doesn't matter to me. Once I conclude with the client's first first report, I tell them, if you want me, come back. I'm happy to be around, but I just want you to be successful. And uh, there's none of this pushing consulting business because I'm an operator who consults. So ultimately, for a long, long time, I hated consultants. <laughs> so it's hard to even call myself a consultant, but that's what I do now. Right. I, I really I advise people and help them with their dreams. Well, one of the questions that I had from a teammate, which I thought was great, was what are you reading from outside the restaurant industry that affects your consulting inside the restaurant industry? I read as much as I possibly can. I, I, I love to stay present on everything. Um, you know, the usual, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, you know, all those, every single restaurant publication you can imagine. But I try to read retail stuff. I also really spending more and more time on technology, just reading anything and everything I can about it because our industry more than anything else is being disrupted totally by technology. So I need to stay steps ahead so I continually can help my clients. So pretty much anything with a technology side to it, I try to read and try to learn about. Well, and we're here at the National Restaurant Association show and you are up on the floor is that the space in the area that you're 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 been walking around? Have you been interested in? What have you learned from what, what's up there today? Every year, I love coming to the show. My best years at, at the NRA show are when I don't have one specific thing I'm after. It's that journey, marching through. Technology is my favorite area because there are always new things going on. Innovation and product is also a great place. You know, whether it's technology, it's not just. Uh, uh, point of sale and it's not just back office or loyalty, it's also equipment. 
there are so many efficiencies coming up with equipment that's going to be happening in restaurants. So I've walked the floor and I've already seen some things that I believe will help my clients and continuing to get me sharper and sharper so I can continue to provide advice, not just for today, but for tomorrow. Well, so like we were saying, we're at the show this year and you're out and about in Chicago and you're looking at different restaurant ideas and operations. What do you look for when you go into these kinds of places? One of the most exciting things for me is to go into new restaurants. I love it. I travel the country. I take care of clients, but I always try to spend extra time there just looking at new restaurants, new concepts, what's happening. The thing that makes me most excited walking into a restaurant is not looking for what's wrong, but looking for what's right. So I can see the essence of what they're doing and what can I take away from that that I can add to my bag of tricks so that I can be helpful to others. So each time you go into a restaurant, my advice always is look for what's right and smile and enjoy it. Don't worry about what's wrong. So tell me about your greatest success story as a consultant. I've been very fortunate because I think I've had a lot of success stories with, with, with clients. Uh, I, again, I, I never disclose clients. People always find out about me primarily because other people tell them about me. But I've had the opportunity to help people take their businesses, which were really in tough cash flow situations, and get them really to start to make real money and really have a chance to grow their brand significantly. So I've seen a lot of people grow significantly. I've seen a lot of people that were stressed unbelievably, not getting the things they wanted out of life and just always, you know, always in a bad place, just getting them comfortable. A lot of times it's helping them get the right people in the right places. It's getting the model scaled properly. So there's been a, a lot of terrific successes and, and it's really, again, it's a lot of hard work but it's a lot of fun, but it's nice to be able to take advantage of the fact that I've been in their shoes. I understand it. The one thing I will say is it's very rare for somebody to present me something that I haven't had to deal with in the past. And most of the time when I dealt with in the past, my greatest learning came from when I didn't do it the right way, not from when I did it right. I learned from that and I'm able to help pass that along to others. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. So you had mentioned before, you, you go in and you're dealing with emotions and trying to turn those into facts, but you're also working with people and teams and they need to work together. How do you work with emotions and teams when you're consulting with these restaurant groups? People are the key in this business. There are a lot of concepts out there that are terrific. Everybody thinks, or at least likes to think that what they're doing is special. At the end of the day, it's their people and culture that gets the concept executed well and really creates terrific success. So I get to know the people and understand what's going on with the folks and where are the problems. One of the key things I learned way back when, play to people's strengths. A lot of folks play to people's weaknesses. When I was a young manager, I used to think I could fix anybody. <laughs> well, I learned along the way, it just doesn't quite work that way. Nope. But if we can take somebody's strengths, if somebody has a great creative strength, Let's have them do more creativity. If they are great salespeople, let's have them work more in sales. When you take a restaurant, a lot of times we have clones of each other running the restaurant. Somebody needs to do the administrative work. Somebody needs to do the creative work. Somebody needs to do the people work. Sometimes we expect everybody to do everything, but they spend too much time in their not sweet spot. So I try to understand what makes the people happy, what their capabilities are, and help them fit an organization together that's really going to work and maximize time. Another major factor is getting the CEO 
to delegate some of that responsibility and really trust the people working for him or her, because that makes all the difference in the world. It's empowering. It gets people excited. It's being a coach, not necessarily the doer of everything. It's really great advice. Thank you. Thanks for joining me with Larry Reinstein, whose philosophy of make them look good and make them prosper has had a huge impact on the fast casual restaurant category. Subscribe to Fast Casual Insider in all the usual places for more insights into this fast growing segment. Episode produced by Dante32.